0: You heard at Sports Radio. I want to say this. I mean, you talk about some of the. Uh, it's a galvanized team, uh, and you know, some may think it's galvanized by
1: adversity. It's not. It's galvanized by choice. This has been a heck of a journey for us, uh, and so to, to earn a to earn a seat at the table to 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 be in the to be in this tournament uh, is one that uh, you know we're uh, we're humbled by but excited for as well.
0: Kicking off hour number three here on Out Sports Radio, I'm Ravi Lula. We're on AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and hour number three is on KFOR in Lincoln. If you're still trying to get up and ready to go this morning, make sure you get out to the beanery to put a little pep in your step for great Omaha area locations, Gretna Papillion, Ashland, and 168th and Giles. They roast their own coffee, locally owned and operated. They've got hot, nice coffee, frozen specialty drinks, some breakfast sandwiches, muffins, even gluten-free. And vegan scones. The Beanery serving people coffee. Joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline is Ryan Fowler. He covers the NFL and college football for Bleacher Report. Ryan, how are you this morning? I'm good. Appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, let's start with the NFL. I've been talking college football for about two hours nonstop here. So let's start with the NFL. Can you put into context for me what you saw last night in that, or la- yesterday afternoon, I should say, in that 49ers-Eagles game? And uh, how, like, how impressive was that without, I, I guess, putting too much stock into just one regular season game?
1: Yeah, I think you absolutely have to put some stock into it, right? I think the 49ers on the road wanted to absolutely send a message to Philadelphia. All we've heard all year long is how good Philadelphia is, how good Jalen Hurts has played, the push-push, everything along those lines. (laughs) It's been all Philadelphia, right? And they go into that game and and beat them by 20-plus in a hostile environment that is Lincoln Financial Field. Brock Purdy was efficient. The defensive line got after Jalen Hurts, made things tough. That, that, that third level, that Niners defense, people forget that they lost Talanoa Hafunga, who was a major piece mm-hmm. to that defense. They lost Trey Greenlaw with that incident with the security guard in mm-hmm. that first half. So that, the Niners team to go into that environment. Now, again, like you said, you, you have to hold weight towards that, but there's never been a Super Bowl that's been won in December. So when we move forward into these next few months and we may see a rematch of these teams moving forward – it's going to be a heck of a battle because I think now this is one of the more renewed NFC rivalries that we're going to see for the next five, ten years potentially.
0: I know one of the big storylines yesterday coming out of this game, especially from the 49er side, was, hey, we told you if we had a quarterback, the NFC Championship game would have gone a lot differently. Do you buy into that?
1: Um, I, I just I look at Kyle Shanahan's system, and, and I think you could throw maybe one of the best high school quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> I'm kidding. But if you could, the, the efficiency that Brock Purdy operates with in this offense, whether they want to work you horizontally or whether they want to pick you apart vertically in the shallow areas or take deep, deep shots to guys like Brandon Ayuk or we saw last night with a guy like Jawan Jennings and beating guys in the open field, they can beat you in a multiplicity of ways. And when you got a guy like Christian McCaffrey, running behind an offensive line like that has Trent Williams at left tackle, one of the best to ever do it in the sport in mm-hmm. of football, they can just beat you in so many different ways. And when you look at the Philadelphia defensive front, they have the big boys up front that they want to steam off of, but then you got the back end to where they've been, in my opinion, they need to be more creative, specifically with their safety. You drafted Sidney Brown out of Illinois, and I'm not seeing him in the box or playing that multi-level defender that he did at Illinois. And that's where they ran into the trouble yesterday with George Kittle. But with with Brock Purdy running this offense, only 19 completions, four of them went for touchdowns. So don't <laughs> ask him to play zero ball, he's just being efficient.
0: Uh, we'll move on after this one. But the 49ers are kind of playing with an embarrassment of riches on that defensive line. Um, how, I guess how much of a factor do you think that will be in the postseason where we've seen teams, if they can get pressure with four, that might be all it takes to make a run to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I think it's extremely important. And Nick Bosa, Chase Young, they weren't the big time names that were productive yesterday. There's pressures there. I didn't see Chase a lot in that second half as their sparkly new addition at the deadline. But it really was Javon Kinlaw mm-hmm. in the middle of that defense. And what makes that unit so special up front is what they allow the linebackers when Fred Warner and both Drake Greenlaw are on the field together. As in my opinion, the best linebacker duo. In all of football, So if you can get home with four and drop seven consistently in coverage in the NFL today where they just want to sling around 40, 45 times, it just makes life easier on everybody at every single
0: level. We're talking with Ryan Fowler of the Bleacher Report. Uh, what is your level of concern with the Kansas City Chiefs and their, uh, I guess, sometimes inability to get that offense going? I mean, we, we know the issues with the receiving room. Um, but a lot of times this year we have seen them struggle to put points on the board. What What's your level of concern there?
1: Yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes at times, as special as he is as an athlete, and and, uh, and I don't think anybody else will say there's a better quarterback in football right now With the last couple of years, it's just sometimes playing too much hero ball for me, trying to do too much in too many certain times to where it's a third and five and he's scrambling around for five, six seconds to where you watch him in years prior and he's just dropping back, making one or two reads, and the guys maybe – not separating enough, or just throw a guy open. And mm-hmm. there is no more Tyree Kill on the outside. We all understand that. But we talked about that last year, and they go and win the Super Bowl. But teams, I think, right now are focusing more on 87, and that is Travis Kelsey. Now, granted, still almost got 100 yards yesterday, but who else is around him? And they made additions in Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice, and they have some other names that they brought in, like Richie James. But those guys just haven't stepped up at all. And as good as Patrick is under center, at some point, you have to ask those guys to at least get a little bit of separation to help Patrick Mahomes out to where he doesn't have to make a perfect throw every single time. And, and that's where it comes down for me right now, where I'm not going to count out Patrick Mahomes as long as he's in Kansas City, similar to how we thought about Tom Brady when he was in New England. I'm not going to count him out when it comes down to it. But these guys on the outside have to help out, help him out a little bit, excuse me, other than Travis Kelsey.
0: Well, speaking of Tyreek Hill, his new team, 9-3, and three, uh, dominated yesterday against a— not very good commanders team, but do you look at the Dolphins as the class of the AFC?
1: I think they are right up there, but I do think that this offense could potentially be the class of the AFC. It is unbelievable. I mean, you've got your Lamborghinis, your McLarens, your Ferraris <laughs> in the form of Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Devon H.N., and then you've got Raheem Mostert as well, who are all they're ex, they're former track athletes, mm-hmm. but there's a big stigma that surrounds track athletes putting up the track spikes and football players. And they're a hell of a football players, all four of those guys. And they're just fantastic with what they do when, when they what they asked Tua to do in this offense. Because the main question this year was is Tua going to be able to stay healthy and mm-hmm. are we going to see the best version of this Miami offense? And I think we are. And they put up seventy earlier in the year and I know they've had a, they've been beaten up on bad teams and this next month of the season is really going to be tested. But, man, you watched that offense yesterday to where if Washington had any chance to keep that game close, this team puts up probably 60 points. Tyreek Hill, 130 yards in the first half. No one can cover him. I don't think anybody can cover him. Washington really broke one of the 10 commandments in football of running man against Miami. You just don't do it. You, don't, you just don't do it. So Miami, I think they are the class of the AFC offensively. I'm just interested to see how that front four on defense steps up with the loss of Jalen Phillips. As you look around
0: the AFC, we talked about the Chiefs. We talked about the Dolphins. uh, We also talked about the 49ers and the Eagles and the NFC. Do you look at the AFC and see anyone that you think is on that level that you think can be competitive against the NFC in the Super Bowl?
1: I really like Baltimore. I really do. Their defense right now is the best in football, and it's just looking at Lamar Jackson in this offense. How much can he do – because he can win with his arm and he can win with his leg. The big stigma around him is he's a running back playing quarterback. Well, he's proven that he can throw the football. Mm -hmm. However, similarly what Travis Kelsey offers to Patrick Mahomes, losing Mark Andrews is going to be huge for this Baltimore offense because they've tried to make additions on the perimeter. Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers has been an excellent first-round pick out of Baltimore, or excuse me, out of Boston College, but he's been banged up a little bit too. So it's who steps up around Lamar on offense and if they do, I think they absolutely have a chance to get to the Super Bowl this year and potentially win the whole thing because they are special on defense.
0: Uh, just a little bit more here on the NFL before we switch over to college. Uh, the Patriots fall to 2-10 and 10 with that super bizarre game against the Chargers yesterday. Um, it was, was that a game of two head coaches that are not going to be there next year?
1: It could be. And it's crazy to say that about Bill Belichick, considering what, the success that he's had over the last couple of decades. But both those teams look completely inept in all three phases of the game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people forget that the Chargers even drafted a guy like Quentin Johnson in the first round. It just has not worked out for them. Justin Herbert, that offense, the defense that they got, they're way too talented to be 5-7 and seven and to win a football game 6 nothing to where they didn't even score a touchdown. I completely agree with you. I think both coaches are... are I'm going to say Staley's more likely to go than Bill Belichick because of the relationship he has with ownership there. Sure. But what an ugly ball game that was in New England where we saw Ezekiel Elliott run for 50 yards and really le- be the most <laughs> dynamic player in that entire football game, which was pretty embarrassing if you ask me. Um,
0: do you think there's a chance that Bill Belichick is coaching the Chargers next year?
1: I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't think so. I, I think right now, I potentially see Bill Belichick holding out and being the potential next coach of New England next year with getting a fresh new quarterback in the building because it hasn't worked out with Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. They even activated Malik Cunningham yesterday if he had to come in. just hasn't worked out for them. So I don't expect him in L.A. Maybe we see him in, in, in New England. Maybe he gets another shot with a fresh new quarterback under center in the form of Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams.
0: We'll see. We're talking with Ryan Fowler of Bleacher Report. All right, let's switch gears over to college football. Not that there was anything too crazy that happened yesterday. Oh, wait, a Power Five undefeated team got left out of the college football playoff. What did you make of the committee's decision to leave Florida State out? And uh, I guess what
1: would you have done
0: in that situation?
1: Can't do it. You you just can't hold out Florida State. Um, we talk about results, and if, if, if Jordan Travis was that important to this Florida State offense to where they keep him out as, again, undefe- undefeated Power 5 team, then he deserves to win the Heisman, if mm. you ask me. So yeah. it, it, you just cannot do it because you watch this defense play against a excellent Louisville offense and hold them to, they were just inept on offense, winning games with a backup quarterback and a third-string freshman quarterback. The defense was dominant. Everyone stepped up when they needed to. And when Jordan Travis was there, they were they're the only team in college football other than Alabama that has the top ten picks on defense in Jared Verse and offense in Keon Coleman. So from a talent perspective, mm-hmm. they are one of the most loaded teams in football. But then you look at their results, and I feel like the results have to matter here. We're not talking about rankings or what the money's going to be and uh, the business side of things for college football because that's the way I think Alabama is at four. And it's unfortunate that Jordan Travis got hurt. But you cannot keep a 13 and 0 undefeated Power 5 team. I know the ACC, in the grand scheme of things, is probably considered dead for some people. It was really Florida State and Clemson heading into the year. But overall, you just cannot do it. it now, these games, I think, are going to be interesting. The semifinal mattress are going to be fun. But just from the basis of things, you cannot, you can flat out cannot do it.
0: Could I make the argument to you that the perception of the SEC as. This juggernaut from top to bottom of teams that are just far and away better than everyone else is more myth than fact. Like, yes, they're very good at the top, but it doesn't look like, to me at least, the middle, of, in the middle and bottom of the SEC is any different than most other leagues. Am I crazy, or can I make that argument?
1: No, you're not crazy at all. I completely agree with you. I mean, two weeks ago, the prayer of Jordan-Hare doesn't happen, and we're not talking about Alabama. And that Auburn team is not very good. They're not very good. Exactly. And Alabama barely beat Arkansas. And they struggled earlier with a team like UAB. So this Alabama team was by no means the Alabamas of old. And the SEC as a whole was not the SEC of old. Because the Pac-12, the now defunct, extinct Pac-12, is now was the best conference in football, in my opinion, this year. And Washington absolutely deserved to potentially Mm -hmm. be the number one seed in this entire thing because – there's a lot of questions about who Michigan played and beat as well outside of, of course, Penn State and Ohio State. But I completely agree with you. The SEC as a whole this year was drastically below average, and you have to take this on a year-by-year basis. And it's just, I don't, I just don't know why Alabama is at four. Yeah, I mean, I
0: really don't know that I see a huge difference between, you know, Louisville, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State and Missouri, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, right? Like, Because that's the section of the conferences we're talking about. Like Missouri and Louisville, pretty comparable. Tennessee and like an NC State or North Carolina, pretty comparable. You can make an argument that Clemson is the most talented team out of that entire group of, you know, eight or so, whatever I named. I just – I the perception that the conference put out there, you know, the Sesame Street, one of these – things is not like the other, I think is just made up.
1: <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, and I think the bottom line, when we look forward into this thing this year with four teams, I'm excited for next year where there's 12. Now, for some people, that may be too much, but I think it's the perfect number to where football, you got to line up at the end of the day. It is not spreadsheet football. You can't look at a depth chart and say, that team's going to beat this team, because right now, if we had it this year, we, we would have seen Liberty... Face Florida State. Now the talent discrepancy is big. However, mm-hmm. Liberty's got some. They've got some NFL players on either side of the ball that can play some football for you. So I just think it's going to be really fun moving into next year and the years following, where we get 12 teams to where anything can happen. More football, in my opinion, is always the best when it comes to college perspectives.
0: Yeah, I mean it's certainly not too much for me. I I was advocating for 16, and I still think they probably end up getting to 16 at some point, unless you know we have the the Power Five Super League break off at some point. But um, I do think a 16-team playoff is would have been my preferred uh, method there. I guess going back to the SEC for just a second here, how much of an issue do you have with the fact that they do play? Fewer conference games than everyone else, and like, how much of an advantage is that? Do you think where you know they throw in a Chattanooga or whoever in the middle of November to, to kind of even out their schedule?
1: Yeah, I, it's more so you look at it from an Alabama's perspective, even Georgia's perspective. I think people are overlooking in this process. It's unbelievable that they're not even five; they're six. And these rankings, it's it's a cupcake schedule out of conference, and then if you win one or two of your major games you're automatically in it, back to your question earlier about the SEC bias. And that's where really it comes down to it for me. There is truly, absolutely, you cannot look at this playoff specifically and not say that there is an SEC bias. I, I want SEC teams to play more of each other. If they're that big and bad of a conference, even though they got two more teams next year coming in, continue to play each other and, and leave out the Chattanoogas or University of Wisconsin Alabama of Pennsylvania leave those teams out play more of each other and really show who the cream of the crop is if you have you know the SEC with four stars and five stars everywhere uh Ryan of
0: the teams that actually did make the college football playoffs we've got Michigan Washington Texas Alabama what are your initial thoughts of how that could possibly play out
1: I think the first uh, semi-Washington and Texas, I think that 2-3 matchup is going to be fantastic. Now, it may be a behind-the-barn 45-40 type of matchup. We know Big 12 defenses like Texas, they don't really like to play a lot of defense. It could be an old Red River River showdown with them and Oklahoma (laughs) over the years. But Quinn Ewers and Michael Penix going at it, I think that's going to be a really fun matchup. Michigan and Alabama, you look at Michigan's roster, they... They have contrasting styles on offense and defense to where their offense is from 1980s where they want to run at you. But they've lost guard Zach Zinser, who's going to be a major loss for them in the middle. You kind of saw it in that Big Ten game, Big Ten title game, excuse me, against Iowa. And then, but on defense, they have the talent to counter guys like Jermaine Burton on the outside. And linebackers to run sideline to sideline if Jalen Milro wants to escape outside the pocket. So for me, the most exciting matchup in the semis is going to be Washington and Texas. Michigan and Alabama, maybe that slow methodical 20 to 10, 17 to 14 type of matchup, but I think both matchups are going to be really fun to watch, specifically not only for the CFP, but for for
0: draft fans out there as well. Do you think there's a clear favorite to to win the title cuz out of those four teams, I you know, you, you kind of just went over it there. I think there's strengths and weaknesses on every single roster there I don't think you can look at this four and say this team is for sure the best is there a team that you're leaning
1: toward there isn't there absolutely isn't i think all four teams are pretty equal i think you can have concerns like pros and cons you could balance with each of these four i think it's going to be a battle to the end for for both of these games both all offenses can score and all defenses have players at all three levels and i think it's going to come down to coaching i think it's going to come down to execution in certain down situations to where you're going to have to execute. And that's really what we, we haven't seen it a bunch in these last two years of college football playoffs to where the semis, where it's a Ohio State against Notre Dame or a Clemson-Notre Dame, no shots of the Fighting Irish out there in South Bend, but we, every time they show up in the CFP, it's usually a boat race. But all four of these teams are really talented on either side of the ball, and I think you're going to get good games out of all these. But I don't have a favorite right now.
0: Uh, Ryan, real quick before we let you go here, you mentioned you know if Jordan Travis was that important to Florida State that they get left out, then he should win the Heisman. I don't think he will. Uh, but you look at the kind of candidates. Who do you think is the most deserving player of the Heisman this year?
1: For me, it's Jaden Daniels at LSU, uh, and I, I, I think when I finalize my QB board this draft cycle, I think he's going to be QB three behind Drake May and Caleb Williams. I think. You look at what he's done this year at LSU. Another one of those transfers, right, in from Arizona State, where people forget that he was even there. Mm-hmm. Now it was nice having Malik Neighbors on the outside and Brian Thomas Jr. Both those guys are going to be drafted this year and high at that. But his legs and the arms, and he kept LSU in football games to where LSU's defense was abysmal. They were one of the worst units, not only in the SEC but all, in all college football as well. They were bad on the defensive side of the football. But Jaden's special. I mean, first guy sent Johnny Manziel over a decade ago to. Throw for three thousand yards and rush for a thousand or more. He is my Heisman winner, and I think he's also going to be able to translate that to the next level and be a dynamic athlete uh, on Sundays for some teams.
0: Could I make the argument that Michael Penix and what he was able to do at Washington deserves consideration over the three-loss Jane Daniels at LSU?
1: Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you watch Michael Penix and the big throws he made in that Pac-12 title game, and it's nice having guys on the outside like Romo, Dungey. But <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be really interested to see how he performs if they potentially meet a Michigan or an Alabama in the final and those teams take away a guy like Romo Dunze, Because I don't think Texas will. They have talent on the defensive front, but Michigan with Will Johnson and Alabama with a guy like Kool-Aid McKinstry and Malachi Moore, they will take away a guy like Romo Dunze. So Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan, those are the guys that are going to have to step up, but Michael Penix is it's been a really nice evaluation since coming over from Indiana to where at times he was unplayable there for the Hoosiers.
0: Where where does Michael Penix fall on your quarterback board?
1: He's probably going to be QB four.
0: Okay, right I mean, after Daniels, right
1: behind, right behind Jaden Daniels. Yeah, yep.
0: Is there anyone on that QB? Sorry, I'm a, I'm a big NFL draft nerd. Uh, is there anybody on that QB board that would surprise me?
1: Um. I don't think so. I think it's all the popular names. I, I like Bo Nix probably a little bit more than others. Okay. Um, he's right there alongside Michael Penix for me. J.J. McCarthy is more of that efficient type of Brock Purdy talent, in my opinion, where if he falls in an offense that will work around him and ask him to play that hero ball and be the supreme athlete that we sometimes ask quarterbacks to be, what we've seen at times from Bryce Young in Carolina, uh, he's right there in, in that mix. But there's a clear tier for me at the top with Caleb Williams, Drake May, there's Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, JJ McCarthy, and then we'll go down from there. What do you do with Jordan Travis with
0: his kind of unique skill set and the injury?
1: Yeah, I really like Jordan Travis coming into the year. I uh, remember I was on a Florida State podcast before the season, and I picked Florida State to win the ACC, and I picked them to actually be in the CFP. And I, it just stinks to see the injury for Jordan, but his evaluation as a prospect hasn't changed too much for me. Um, just watching his game and what do you think he's going to be when he's healthy at the NFL level. There's still concerns with his arm strength, his ability to process. Really fun outside the pocket, but the height will, will scare some teams, so mm-hmm. can he see over the offensive line at the next level? That's a big concern for some scouts and personnel I've talked to in the trap process. So he's going to be someone I think that deserves an opportunity. I don't think he's a starter right away, but absolutely you got to come in as a potential QB, two that can be a change-of-pace guy with his legs if you need to be. I think he absolutely deserves an opportunity somewhere.
0: You think he could he could kind of replicate a, a Colin Kaepernick role?
1: I think he could. I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good little prospect comparison. Absolutely. I don't think he has the arm, the arm right. talent of yeah, yeah. Colin Kaepernick. But with the legs, the leadership, I think that matters. The ability to just lead an NFL offense, I think he uh, Yeah, lead an NFL offense. I think I absolutely could do that.
0: Ryan Fowler from the Bleacher Report. Uh, Ryan, we're gonna have to have you back on to talk about uh, more draft stuff. Uh, but appreciate your time for sure, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's Ryan Fowler from the Bleacher Report. Coming up next, it's time for the War Horse Sportsbook Sports Cleanup here on Herd at Sports Radio.